0: You know, sometimes we think that the things that happen in our life are because of how we move and how we accomplish things. But I'd just like to mention a little bit about this morning so far and how God has been at work. Because just starting off this morning in the song, didn't even think about it when I hit play on the song this morning that, uh, you know, where. More than anybody else in this world, God loves us, right? And we all acknowledged that this morning. And then when we were doing the uh, um, announcements this morning, Romans twelve three was read, For by grace given to me, I say to everyone amongst you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of that faith that God has assigned. And I am going somewhere with this because then Pastor John comes up here during the offering and he is speaking at the offering that we uh, should give God our best. And we know that that's not just the best of the finances that we have, but the best of who we are. If the best of who you are is in the morning, your best time should be spent with God. You See where I'm going? And the best of everything that we do in life should be to honor and serve God. And it's amazing because it's, all of this is an alignment to the sermon that God has prepared in my heart to deliver today. And it's amazing to see him at work, behind the scenes... And we don't even realize sometimes the work that he is doing behind the scenes, but he's accomplished a lot, believe me, already today in all of our hearts. He's prepared us for what we're about to hear right now. He's prepared our hearts. We've lifted them up in rejoicing. We're prepared to receive God's word right now. So let us pray. Holy Father, we come again to you and we just thank you, Lord, for preparing our hearts and equipping us, Lord, to be prepared to receive the message that you have for each one of us today, Lord. And Father, we pray that anything that's spoken today that's not of your will and purpose that it be forgotten. But Lord, what is your will and purpose, Lord? We pray that it is strengthened and uh, multiplied, Lord, so that when we go out into this world, we can just share it with those around us and, and uh, grow in your love and grace ourselves, but also uh, introduce you to a lost and dying world who needs you. For Father, we know our mission is to share your love with the world. And Father, those of us who don't have the courage, we pray that they receive the courage. For those of us who are timid, Lord, we just pray that you give us boldness. And Father, for those of us who just uh, don't know enough, we just pray that you put it in their hearts to open the scriptures and become more equipped and more prepared to do the work you've given us. But Father, we just ask that you use each one of us with the faith that you've given us today to go out and accomplish your will and purpose in our life that you've prepared beforehand. And, Father, we just ask all of this in your holy and gracious name. Amen. Amen. As Christians, we have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? Our eyes have been opened to the saving truth of God. And we know that it's through grace that we have been saved through faith, right? It's by grace through faith that we have been saved. There's nothing that we did to gain that salvation. We know that. We understand that it is God's gift to us, and we cannot earn it. We can't go pay somebody and say, hey, can you give me some of what you have? It doesn't work that way, does it? And we know that. We understand that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We know that. God has revealed so much to us and has given us so much as Christians to be thankful for. And we're going to open up the scriptures a little bit today and I'm going to challenge you hopefully today and the spirit of God will challenge you hopefully today in some of the things that are spoken. Let us take a moment though and go to uh, the book of Romans. For we know that God has revealed himself through the majesty of his creation. See, there are so many ways that God has revealed himself to us. He's opened the door to his truth to everybody. Not just the saved, but even the lost cannot go to God and stand before God and say, Hey, I did not know that, this, that you were the way to heaven. Nobody will be able to stand before God blameless and say, God, I just didn't know if I would have known, I would have accepted the truth. And there are several reasons for that. Because number one, we know that he has revealed himself through the majesty of his creation, hasn't he? For the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. And day after day, they pour forth speech. And night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. There is no place on this earth, no person on this earth who can't look at the heavens and say, there is a God who created that, is there? God has given that to every one of us so that we seek after him and go running for him. And for that reason alone, no one can stand before God blameless, can they? How can we possibly look out at this earth and just see like the corn growing over in a field and all the trees growing and see everything that God has created, the birds flying through the air, the insects, even the things that annoy us, that you know, mosquitoes or whatever it might be that bite us, no matter what it is, it's God's handiwork in his creation and it is majestically made, isn't it? None of us can stand before God just for that reason alone and say, I didn't know. No one can. We also know that God has revealed himself by our Lord Jesus Christ, don't we? He, God, became flesh. And he dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You want to know where to find that? It's in John 1.14. And he has given us the written word. Each one of us have the written word of God in our hands. Whether it be in a book form, or on our telephone, or on a tablet. There are so many ways today we can look at God's word, isn't there? And we can read his word and study his word. And when we choose not to, We are letting go of something special God has given us, his special revelation to us. This is God's book that he wrote to tell us about who he is and about how we ended up where we are and what can be done about it through the blood of Jesus Christ. He has opened up our understanding of who he is and why we are here. He has given us a guide to life and given each one of us purpose because we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And each one of us know the works that God has given to us. He's placed those in our hearts. We're not blind to it. And get this, he did it for us. Before the creation of this world existed, He already knew what we were going to accomplish and what He wanted us to accomplish. These works were prepared for us in advance to do them. God knows what's happening, He knows what's going on in your life. He knows the struggles, He knows the pain, He knows the difficulty. He also knows the victories. He knows everything about each one of us intimately so for any of us to stand here and say I can't you're right you can't but through him you can put your trust and hope in him and depending on him as you're working for him he will accomplish much in your life if you trust that because we serve the one True, holy, and majestic, and all powerful God, I would like to take some time today and talk about us being a living sacrifice and what that means. It's a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And hopefully, we will see and our eyes will be open to some of the dangers that also lurk in our church today. So let us take a moment and go to Romans in chapter 12, starting in verse one. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. For it is by grace given me, I say to every one of you do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. But rather, think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. Every one of us have that in us, don't we? To where we think of ourselves higher than we should. Well, I I think I'm okay. I'm not doing as bad as that person over there. I'm not doing as bad as that person over there. So, you know... I don't know what their problem is, but man, I'm glad I'm not involved in any of that. We heard some Pharisees praying like that to God, didn't we? I'm glad and thankful, God, that I'm not like that person over there. That should never be our prayer. Never be the way that we look at things. Actually, I should look at everyone sitting down here as better than I am. And you should look at everyone around you as better than you are. Because just like pastor said a little bit ago about Lazarus, God lifted him up. He didn't need to lift himself up, did he? God did it. Let God be the one who lifts you up. And Just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. God is talking about the body of Christ here, which each one of us are a member of. Christ is the head, we are the body, and each one of us play a role and a purpose and believe me if you're running away going in the other direction and you're hurting the whole body hurts the church hurts when you're not here the body suffers the church suffers this is where God has placed you and when you are not here you are missed how many of us who have cut ourselves feel the pain in our whole body we understand Completely, what Paul was talking about here in this scripture verse because we understand when something on us is hurting, we hurt everywhere. It's not just a little, oh, well, my finger's hurting, I'm not worrying about it, it's no big deal. We think about it. It, 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 it. It's part of who we are at that moment. Am I right? Each one of us are members of the same body. And when one of us are hurting, all of us hurt. So, we each have different gifts according to the grace that is given us. And if a man is prophesying, let him prophesy. And let him use it in the proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Each one of us are given a gift from God. That is that special gift that we work with. That doesn't mean that we don't have several of these gifts that we can that, uh, we. Uh, used in our lives but there is that one gift that God really does work with each one of us what is yours how are you using it are you neglecting it is it time to stand before God and repent Lord forgive me for not using this gift you have given me but open my eyes to the opportunities today and moving forward that I might serve you and accomplish your will and purpose in my life Because that's what He wants from each one of us. He wants us to draw near to Him. And when we draw near to Him, and we're in alignment with His will and purpose, we're going to accomplish much in this life. We don't want to be the one who makes it into heaven as if by the skin of our teeth, do we? How many souls are not being touched because we're not doing what God is asking us to do? And we say, yes, God can accomplish that without me. And you're right, he absolutely can, but he doesn't want to. If he wanted to, he wouldn't need the church today. As soon as we're saved, he would just take us with him into heaven. But he has worked for us. So in Romans 1 and 2 is where I'm really going to focus today most of the time that we're talking about here. It's kind of why I kind of summarize the other uh, verses a little bit. But in Romans 1 and 2, again, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. You see, in verse 1, Paul urges the brothers to offer their bodies as living sacrifices. That's what I'm doing with you today, right now. I'm urging you, urging you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices to God. See, the gentle command that Paul is using here, urge, that Paul proceeds to give can only be obeyed by believers. If you're not a believer, you cannot offer your body as a living sacrifice. You cannot. For those who already belong to God's family, they're the ones who can offer their bodies as sacrifices to God. No other offering is acceptable to God unless we have first offered Himself, offered Him our souls. That's the first thing we have to do is say, God, I want to be part of who you are. I want to participate in the work that you're doing. God, I know the only way of salvation is by you and by the blood of Jesus Christ, and I want to be part of that. It starts there. If you haven't offered your soul to Christ, you can't participate in the work of the body of Christ. You just cannot. It's not going to be holy and pleasing to God. For Christians, the first element of living as a holy sacrifice... For Christians, that first element, a living and holy sacrifice, has already been presented to God through giving him our souls. And as Christians, we are prepared to lay down the wicked and evil things in our lives. Do you realize that by being a holy sacrifice to God, that's what it is? You're not giving up anything except the evil things. The, the things that shouldn't be in your life anyway. See, those are the things we're given up in our lives. And we know what those things are. We know the evil things that are in our lives. We know them. We know that we must not intentionally lie, that we should not steal our gossip. We are not called to fornication and adultery. We are not to place any other gods before us. Rather we should live for Christ because salvation is free but you know there is a cost to living Christ like he said Jesus did that he suffered and we've seen his suffering and we're not greater than our Lord we will experience suffering in our lives too but he told us to do not worry about that because he has overcome the world. In John 16, he says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. He didn't say that you might or you could. He said you will have trouble. But take heart, brothers, take heart, for I have overcome the world. And if Jesus has overcome the world, where is our problem? You see, an unsaved or an unregenerate person cannot give his mind, his body, or his will to God because he has not given God his soul or given himself to God. Because he does not have a saving relationship to God A natural man does not accept the things of God. He does not accept the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Romans 8.8 teaches us that an unsaved person cannot serve God. An unsaved person cannot please God. And no matter how a person who's not saved feels, he cannot worship God, he cannot make an acceptable offering to God, cannot please God in any way with any offering while he remains separated from God. Because an unbeliever's soul has not been offered to God, he cannot make any other sacrifice that is acceptable to him. The unredeemed cannot present their bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Nor do they even want to. It is foolishness to them. And we can see that in Col. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is what? It is the power of God. The message of the cross is the very power of God to those who are being saved, but it is total foolishness to those who don't know him. So how could they ever possibly worship God and serve God and participate in the work of God? Therefore, only the saved can present themselves as a living sacrifice. God because only those who are saved are alive spiritually we have been changed we are no longer who we once were we have been changed we are new it's not that we're a better of our old selves we are new we have been transformed into the likeness of God So you see, our obedience is the product of what God has already done in our lives. It's not because of anything that we do on our own or of our own will. The only reason anything good comes from us is it's a product of what God has already done in us. As new covenant Christians, we no longer offer animal sacrifices, do we? Because what does an animal sacrifice do? It can't cleanse our souls from sin. All it does is cover it up and hide it. But see, the blood of Christ cleansed it. It no longer exists. Our sin no longer exists in the eyes of God. We have been redeemed. You see, sin can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. So there is nothing sinful about the regenerated soul. There's something sinful about this flesh, but the regenerated soul is not sinful. God demands sacrifices that are holy and that is apart from what is profane, and we must dedicate ourselves to service to Him. So how do we offer ourselves as living sacrifices? And I think that verse 2 spells it out very clearly. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to approve what is God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. When we let go of what this world has to offer and step on board to what God has to offer, we're going to see some amazing things in how he has truly transformed our lives. So what does the world love? First and foremost, their selves. Do we not have an innate ability to care about what's going on with me first? First? Forget everybody else. As long as I get what I want, when I want, the way I want, and as much as I want, I'm happy. Every one of us who have seen our kids being raised have seen that firsthand, haven't we? When they don't want to share or they do not want to do this or do not want to do that, they want their will, not the will of mom and dad. We feel that resistance in our children when we're raising them, and we're training them to put their will aside and to focus on what our will is and, and, and how our will really is going to be better for them in the long run. You think God's not shaping us the same way? To get us to put our will aside so we can focus on His will and His purpose in our lives. See, He has transformed us and He is still shaping us day by day. And when we willingly submit to Him, We become transformed. Our will comes into alignment with His will. It is not easy, and we will be tested. Remember, Jesus was tested, right? Go all the way back to the beginning of the Gospels, and we see that Jesus was tempted when He was in the wilderness for 40 days, didn't we? And who tested Him? It was the devil, right? Make no mistake, the devil is in this room right now. He's trying to convince you the things that I'm teaching that are the scriptural things that I'm teaching are not right. There's something wrong with that. He wants you to be blindsided. He wants you to be blind to the truth. Because as long as you're blind to the truth, you can't go out into the world and share the gospel of Christ with the world. So believe me, he does not want us to get this. But the Spirit of God is far more powerful than the devil. And he will use the Scriptures to convince us that we are right and that pastor is wrong. He will convince us of that. The devil used the Scriptures with Jesus, did he not? How did he battle Jesus? They didn't have a physical fight, did they? He battled Jesus with Scripture. He was promising Jesus all the good things that he has to offer. He offered Jesus wealth and power. I will give you all that you see. He also offered Jesus sustenance, didn't he? He said, turn this stone into bread. And he also offered Jesus health, did he not? He said... Cast yourself down and God will save you. And in all cases, he was twisting the scriptures. And Jesus responded in kind with what the scripture actually says and what the scriptures actually meant. Does this sound kind of like the health and wealth gospel to anybody in this room? Does it? See, the health and wealth gospel is about you, about me. It's what I want, when I want it, the way I want it, as much as I want it, now. I command God to give me the things that I want, and God has to listen to me. That's what the health and wealth gospel teaches, and anybody who believes that is believing a lie. It's not scriptural. Look at what the scriptures say. And when they're using the scriptures... Look at it carefully and how they're using it. Are they keeping it in the context of what the scripture is teaching? What is the context of what they're saying? For they say, and I'm using this very carefully, they say this, not me. The health and wealth gospel teachers will tell you that faith is a force. Words are the containers of the force. And through the force of faith, people can create their own realities. They say, not me, the health and wealth teachers say, the moment you speak something out, you will give birth to it. They say, this is a spiritual principle and it works whether what you are saying is good or bad, positive or negative. That's what the health and wealth gospel teaches They also say, according to the Bible, we can call those things which do not exist as though they do. I beg your pardon, the Bible does not say that. Here's where they're using scriptures to say what they wanted to say. If you actually go and see what the Bible says in Romans 4.17, it says, God calls those things which do not exist as though they did. All the health and wealth gospel people did was change one word. We. Took God out and put we in there. We can. No, we cannot. And talking about this faith as a force, words are the containers of the force, and through the force of faith, people can create their own realities. They say the moment you speak something out, you give birth to it, and this is a spiritual principle, and it works whether you are saying what is good or bad or positive or negative. But I would just like to ask you, what did Jesus say? Didn't he say that we would suffer? Didn't he say that we would have trials and struggles in this world? Didn't he tell us in John 16.33 but to, to have to, to don't worry about it that because Jesus my mind just drew a blank there, but the, the whole purpose in John 16.33 was that Jesus overcame the world, and because he overcame the world, do not worry. Because he overcame it, he, he will take care of us. Any of these things that you're looking at on this faith is the force and words are the containers of the force, that's all about me and what I want. I want this so if I believe it long enough and hard enough I'm going to get it. It's a lie. It's not the truth. And just a cursory view and understanding of the Bible will nullify these beliefs. These false teachers count on its members not knowing or understanding the Scriptures. They count on that. Like I said in John 16, 33, Jesus said, In this world you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. And Ephesians 2:10 tells us we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which he prepared for us in advance to do. You see, Christianity is not a faith of self-indulgence. It is a faith in alignment with the will and purpose of God to shape us and to guide us according to His will. How is it, if God gives us everything that we ask for, how is it that we're offering our bodies as a living sacrifice? God has called us to be living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And then we will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing will. Christians who offer a living sacrifice of themselves usually do not consider it to be a sacrifice, do they? It is not a sacrifice in the common sense of losing something valuable. The only thing we entirely give up for God to be removed and destroyed are the sins and the sinful things in our lives. Which only brings us injury and death when we focus on the sinful things in our lives. But our living sacrifice is expected to be holy From a literal sense, our holy living sacrifice is being set apart for a spiritual purpose and service to God who is holy. Because our salvation is found in Christ Jesus, we have been counted righteous and are being made righteous because of his work in us. Jesus is sanctifying his church by washing her with the water of the word that he might present himself to the church in all her glory without spot or wrinkle or any such thing as she should be holy and blameless that's what God wants from us to be holy and blameless he wants us to go out and do the work that he has given us to do He wants us to step off of a high horse. And he wants us to walk a journey with him. I'd like to share a little bit about this woman that Pastor John talked about a little bit ago with the two mites that she gave. There were many other people there who gave much more than she did from a human standpoint, didn't they? They gave from their wealth. She gave out of her poverty if the health and wealth gospel is true how is what's happening happened to this woman where she gave all that she had how is that a good thing the bible doesn't say that this woman died with much wealth did it for all we know she died a poor woman just as she was there God never condemned her. Jesus did not condemn her because she was poor. He actually used her to explain a spiritual principle. And that spiritual principle is that I should give the best of who I am. Give the best of what I have to offer. She gave all she had. She gave out of her poverty and trusted that God was going to provide for her daily needs. And that's what he wants from us. He wants us to trust that he'll provide for our daily needs and that he'll take care of us and sustain us. We will face trials and tribulations in this world, but we must lean on him in those times of trial. There's a reason he's letting us experience it. You remember when Paul was on his way to Rome? they were on a boat, and a big storm came, and they had to throw everything off, and Paul gave instructions to everybody, if you do what I tell you to do, everyone will hear will live, and nobody will be lost. Do you think that anybody that was in that trial at that moment going through that storm didn't have a lot of fear in their lives right then and there, and thought for sure that they were going to die and wasn't going to make it to the next day or maybe even the next moment? But God told Paul what to do and Paul trusted what God told him. Not one of those people were lost, were there? We have to trust that God will work in our lives. We shouldn't focus on the trials of our life. We should focus on the living God in our lives. If you're one who doesn't get into Scriptures, I beg you, brother and sister, start today. Get into Scriptures. Even if you only read one chapter a day, you'll read through the whole New Testament more than once in a year if you read one chapter a day. And if you do that, you will be more equipped this time next year than you are right now. And if you do it again next year, you'll be even more equipped. God will reveal more and more of himself to you. When someone speaks something that's not true, you'll be able to challenge it with the Scriptures and what the Scriptures say. And say, well, that just doesn't make sense. How can I get anything that I want? And God says that I'm not to have my mind and focus on the things of this world, but I'm supposed to be focused on the things of God. How does that line up with that? Can you tell me how that lines up with that, with what God teaches me in the Bible? But if you don't know what the Bible says you can very easily be deceived by these false teachings. And believe me, there are a lot of false teachers in the Christian church today. It's unfortunate, but it is true. And if you guys want to know the names of any of them, I'm happy to share them with you. And it's not me sitting there condemning or judging that person. It's me judging what they're teaching God has given us, every one of us, the right to judge the things that are taught to us. And if it doesn't line up with what the Bible says, we have to put it aside. Not just because it sounds good and I like what it says, do I pay attention to it? I pay attention to it because God tells me to pay attention to it. If we do that, It will serve us well, and it will serve our communities well. It will serve those who love us well. Because if we see them watching one of the people who are teaching that false doctrine, you'll be equipped to share with them why it's bad to watch them or listen to them. And I know that I've told you this before, but I'm going to tell you again, please turn TBN off. It's not worth your time. It's really not. If there's one show on there that's worth watching, turn it off anyhow. Because I can tell you most of what is taught on TBN is not the truth of God. You can challenge me on that. You can hate me for that. But you know what? I'm telling you the truth with what the Scripture, and and it's in alignment with what the Scriptures teach. If you want to know the truth, you need to be here in a well-balanced church that's teaching you the things of God and the truths of God. God loves each one of us so much that he gave his son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life.